Yeah, so let me just preface this episode by saying it's not gonna be a fun one at all. I, I question things all the time because we live in a world that feels as though every single day there was literally something bad going wrong. And so when we're talking about all of the bad stuff that exists in the world, I think one of the things that we forget to talk about, or maybe we don't forget, it's not focused on, in part because it's like a very taboo, um, I don't even know if I would say taboo, it's a crime that's just gross to think about. I think at least for me, it's very weird to think about it happening. And of course, I'm talking about sexual violence against children. I feel it only necessary that I, I define what a child is. I'm talking obviously about a person who is not mature. They lack either the, you know, legal age of becoming an adult. Actually, yeah, that's, that's a child. And I mean, some people even go as far as to say that some people who are adults are still children. And I think that that is getting at more so of a mental capacity and a mental assessment of the person's maturity. And most of the time they're saying that because they do not think that they're mature. As you get older, the idea is you go through these fundamental life changes that are both physiological in nature when we talk about things like, you know, puberty, all the other health changes that come when you're a baby to a toddler, to an adolescent, all of that. When we're talking about maturity, we think of someone who is older, right? Because there's a certain esque to, to maturity. This person knows what's going on. They have it together. I don't know how to better put that. And I feel like many people recognize that children are not mature. An enormous frustration and lack of understanding washes over me when I think about who is committing violence against children and why that's happening, because it just seems so preposterous to think about. And in part, I'm biased in this belief. I mean, I don't think this is like a bad bias to have, but as a child who has been abused both emotionally and even sexually, it's, it, it has shaped the trajectory of who I've become and is a reason why like, I find it literally impossible to even rationalize why someone would be on board with manipulating a human that is so young, um, is not even fully developed, has no real world experience, and I hate this. Um, even though I find a topic like this to be so shocking and surprising, I think it's important that we first try to go back like to understanding why people have kids in the first place, what the purpose is of a child, um, the goals that we should have and the aspirations we should have in terms of the character of the children that we create. A utopian ideal of what a person should be, right? Dependable, agreeable, well-rounded, understanding, empathetic, hardworking to a certain degree. To me, these, these ideals should kind of be like the goal of every society when we go into having children, the magnitude of responsibility that comes with having a child and if I'm gonna be honest, I think we've lost the meaning of childbearing um, nowadays. Um, and I also think we've lost the ability to do a good job of it. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's, that's like not necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing because people keep having kids, right? That, that, that's the kicker. It's like, it's one thing to realize that like, I mean, obviously I'm here and I go to college and I've had a good life. That was in part due to my own like self, 
right? And it was also in part due to those who nurtured and grew me. But it, it was twofold because it, it most definitely wasn't 100% them. I'm gonna tell you that. It, it, was, it wasn't them, okay? You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. I think we're too complex nowadays to believe that like modern day child rearing and bearing are solely for procreation and like spreading your genes. Although, I feel as though that is like the driving factor nowadays. Like people want to have kids like, oh, well, people want to, people have kids for a variety of reasons. I think people are having kids nowadays because of healthcare and access to preventative um, practices or medications that will stop that from happening. Sometimes it's kind of intentional. Like people are like, yeah, I want to have a baby with you. Yeah, I want to bear your seed. Yikes, that was disgusting to say out loud. Ew! Anyway, um, I think we're too complex. I think we're far beyond that. And of course, I I'm not gonna lie. Like, obviously, people who study humans have said, or at least theories about how we've evolved, and the idea that if your genes survived, right, and you actually, you know, procreated, and you had a an offspring, and they grew up, and they also, you know, did their thing, and now you got a whole family, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Sure. We also have like a prefrontal cortex nowadays that can like let us think about the entirety of what it means to have a child in the society that we currently live in. And you know, I think it's very fitting for me to talk about this because I obviously take the approach that I think that modern day pregnancies and like wanting to have kids is entirely selfish. It, it literally is. Because it's like, we already know that the earth is overpopulated. And it, this overpopulation is literally leading to the detriment of this of this shared space. And so, of course, I'm going to say, if you if nowadays you want to say you want to have a kid, I'm going to tell you, go get a foster child. Foster someone. You want a kid that bad? Try to value the kids that already exist. If you say, no, I want my own child, then it's not really the idea of a child that you want. You don't really want a kid. You want something else. There's some other reason that you want to have a being that has your DNA, that you can say, I produce that. It's all about you. It's so egocentric that it's almost so laughable. This isn't necessarily to say that all selfish things are bad, right? Like I think that if you do a good thing and you get some selfish benefit out of it, whether that's like boost self-esteem, boost in your self-confidence, because these are like things that we want and things that we should be selfish about, you know, valuing ourselves. This isn't to say that all selfish things are bad, but Selfish things are bad when you're involving other humans. So I believe that to have such a crazy belief that procreation is the is only for genetic advantages, nothing else, places such a low value on a child's life. And again, like I said, talking about when a child, a kid is physically here on the earth, whole nine months, okay, or earlier in some instances if they're, you know, premature. And so then to, to place such a low value on a kid's life and then to act on their naive nature in their lack of lived experience, and even, even sometimes using their lower status as a means to subjugate them for your own personal benefit is literally so antithetical to human dignity and individuality that it makes me, like, it's just, ugh. And so why do I bring this up? Well, I feel, again, like I said, one of the crimes that we literally just don't talk about enough is sexual violence against children. 
And again, maybe we don't talk about it because no one wants to think about it. On its face, it's disgusting and perverted. Who wants to think about, like, I don't even want to think about that, okay? So what cognitive incentive is there to think about something that most will find horrendous and immoral? There is none, besides, you know, obviously talking about how horrendously immoral it is and why we shouldn't do it. And so I have no incentive to talk about this, but like, again, like this is a very emotional topic for me. And so I guess I should give a little bit of context. I I was on TikTok the other day, obviously, as any Zoomer is. And I saw this TikTok where this, this person was talking about, like, our elected congressional people talking, like, preaching about, you know, pedophilia and specifically, like, trans people being pedophiles and grooming our children, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they literally proceeded to show... Uh, uh, to list all of the uh, Congress people who have committed sexual crimes against children. Um, so it's like, what are we really getting at here? What are we really talking about when we're literally preaching about grooming and um, doing bad things to children when you literally are doing that? So I saw that TikTok and this like sparked my interest. It piqued my curiosity into the idea of like, okay, why, like, why would Congress people, why would they then turn around and do something completely disgusting? That's, that's the question, right? That's the question. I really don't even get it from a logistical perspective because you literally are at the height of public scrutiny. So again, they are convoluted and very sneaky. They also, so I guess with that, with higher powerful positions, you have more, uh, what is it called? Like a curtain, curtain screen? screen curtain i feel like there's like a fog like there's a metaphor it's like a fog screen you, i think you guys get what i'm trying to say huh? but there's this you know curtain that you can use for your own personal benefit and so within this discussion there come there, there there's an even bigger more problematic thought have people who worked in in these positions at the national and state level do they think about their role and what it means to take on that role or even try to follow through with their position like is this going on because I feel like sexual violence against children should not be something that you actively pursue. It should be a thing that you literally avoid when you're in these positions and others that are comparable in status and responsibility. And of course, the key word is should. I don't want to be a conspiracy Andy here, but my hypothesis is that there is a correlation between those who wield power and violent sexual crimes or trafficking of children. This power I'm talking about here can come in the form of social status and or financial domination. Let me explain. Well, this first episode, we're gonna be talking about the social status aspect of this. Uh, so we're gonna be digesting and talking about why power comes from social status, or ne not necessarily why, but how, and in what forms you can see that. So first of all, social communities exist where people congregate. Right. The point is that in our governing institutions, our communal organizations, our family structures, and literally pretty much anywhere where there's a high expectation placed on some figurehead establishing some set of rules for an in-group, right? And that in the in-group members comply as a means to self-preserve and to be a part of the group because we do get some satisfaction, some inherent individualistic benefit from being parts of groups. There are many studies that show this, but we won't get too deep into that. Second, peer approval and in-group definition, right? And by in-group, I mean, um, like you identify and there's like a, a factor that unites 
you. So for instance, my in-group, if I think about my best friends, because that's that's an in-group right there, mostly consists of those from who are women and who are people of color. And so because peer approval and in-group definition are so essential to how our behavior is shaped, especially when we're adolescents and we're going through so much radical transformation in the self and trying to uncover who we are, what and how um, our peers think we should be is going to influence our behavior. And so the social norms that we set within these groups can sometimes lead to unpredictable polarized behavior. Of course, the imminent threat within these in-groups and the reason why people are more likely to become, you know, either polarized or do things that they normally wouldn't do, but they do because they're in a group, is because of the imminent threat of expulsion can lead to conforming to norms that have been set. I can think about probably so many times where I've done something just to be perceived really well by those who are around me. I'm not, I, I guess I haven't done anything that's like crazy. Like the one example that I have is like, I remember when I was on the dance team in high school, um, I was in the hallway walking into the dance room and I was like the only one, but I heard this administrator talking with this, uh, this boy and I didn't mean to like the he eavesdrop or anything, but you know, they were having a conversation. I'm the only one and I'm walking to the locker room and they're literally right by the door. And so I'm listening to that. Yada, yada, yada. A couple minutes pass and these two girls come into the locker room and they were talking about how cute that guy was who was out there. And of course, because we're in a group, right? Locker rooms, you get all the, the gossip and the chatter. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go after him if I were you. His GPA is literally 2.0. And I don't know why I put him on blast like that. Everyone obviously, I mean, now I, I do know why I did it. Because, you know, everyone started laughing and they were all surprised and it got the reaction that I was going for. But literally after I said those words, and to this day, this is why it's such a very prevalent memory of mine, is because I felt so bad. I felt so bad that I put someone else down to get some hype from some people on the dance scene like that's just like why did you do that you know what i'm saying why are you running and so this is what this is literally what i'm talking about i'm sure you can think of a something that you've done you shouldn't have done but you did it because your friends were around with being cast or being defined as an outgroup member there can be humiliation and embarrassment and that lack of a of a set group really does um, impact your ability to fulfill your own needs to fulfill your to do things that you enjoy because you enjoy them okay third authority figures whom people assign a higher social level than themselves think about teachers firefighters scientists professors right there's like this just understanding that there are some authority figures that you just are gonna listen to that shouldn't always be the case more on that later but these authority figures can have a really impactful role in shaping our behavior and in establishing a sense of automatic compliance because of their role. They can not only set the rules for how we should behave, but they can also get us to behave in a certain way to comply or obey either directly or indirectly. And so there have been some questionable studies, mind you, that have tested this and proved that people literally will comply with the behavior that they might normally go against because an authority figure told them to do so. Like, it's crazy that just by assigning a title to someone and giving them this perceived sense of status, of higher status, mind you, you can get people to literally do stuff that they normally would not do that goes against their nature. Unfortunately, some really terrible, awful things can happen when you when you think about uh, perceived social power and um, group definitions as well. So who exactly are the authority figures who are doing this? 
I'm so glad you asked. I was looking at the Department of Justice's entire page. So if you ever want a little refresher as to why you should be disappointed in some of your fellow human beings, just go through that site. It'll ruin your day. And so my attention in looking at this website was to see if I could pinpoint a trend in who is doing the crimes. So first, let's go over the DOJ's results. Keep in mind that the crimes that I went through happened in July. Solely in July. And there were like... So many, so many per day. There were like probably five to 10 news press releases per day. And I just went through July. So that's crazy. Okay, please understand, buckle up, right? A good chunk of these crimes were related to the distribution and or possession of child pornography. So I'm gonna list about nine different people or types of people that I saw. Um, the first, one of the first cases that I read, a 41 year old chief warrant officer in the army uh, sexually harassed a woman on a plane. Not even a woman. Actually, yeah, this was this was a woman. So this wasn't a child. Um, but I read a separate story. I didn't. It didn't say the uh, age of the. I think it's of the age of the man, and I'm pretty sure he's between 40 to 50. It didn't give his position, but he literally sexually harassed a little girl who was literally just sitting next to him on the plane. He like took his hand and like. Ugh, please, I don't even want to think about it. He took his hand and literally like touched her thigh. Like that is a whole child. Stop. Second one sexual exploitation of minor boys in a youth group by the church youth group leader okay third group grooming there are groups dedicated to grooming children online predators will work together to target children online one of the news press releases was a undercover police officer who was part of one of these groups group grooming number four a former police officer had possession of child pornography who was supposed to be enforcing the law. Five, a former Union Town Fight Club instructor abused teen athletes at his former gym. Six, here we go with the church again. A round rock pastor was in possession of child pornography. Seven, here we go with the church again. A former Santa Fe priest was indicted on sexual exploitation of minors. Eight, this one was... Just the president of a Little League baseball organization pled guilty to four counts of transporting a minor for purposes of sexual activity. You are the president of a Little League baseball team. How old are these kids? They gotta be. My, my little brother plays Little League and he's five. What do you mean you're transporting a minor for purposes of sexual activity? This list goes on and on. Husband and wife. That really gets me. And I mean, it's not surprising because again, when I talked about earlier, social communities, you don't think about it. Your family is a social community and you have a social hierarchy within your family. That's why family, that's why people study family structures and family dynamics, okay? There were several instances of either a husband or a father or a wife getting indicted for these crimes. So obviously you get that the list goes on and on and is literally magnified in other sectors. Like take this, put it on blast, like schools, by teachers or administrators. And obviously with the church, because I literally listed two already. Do you wanna know what's worse? First of all, you can't even like compare it because it's all just really bad. But parents who willingly engage in this pedophilic and incestual behavior, 
Let me tell you something I found on the DOJ's website. There was a woman who was arrested and sentenced for sexual exploitation of children. She conversed with an undercover cop on a website called Taboo Parents, where she proceeded to send photos of young girls, some as young as toddlers, to him, expressing her want for him to sexually violate them. This is the substance of taboo parents. I, I just, is this not insane? When I was reading this, I was just so taken aback by the, first of all, the lack of information that I have about how often these crimes are committed and the lack of information that I have on all of the, the like gross dark web internet content, like group grooming and taboo parents. Like, I just, I don't get it. We're supposed to be advanced. We're supposed to be better than animals. We're supposed to be free thinkers. We're supposed to, like, have a sense of morality. What, what the fuck is this? It's not, okay? It's not. And of course, I'm forgetting one of the even bigger problematic folks. People who wield social power and influence online. I don't, I don't think y'all are online as, as much as I am. But recently, there has been an uproar because of Colleen Balling, Ballinger? Ballinger? I don't know her name. She's known as Miranda Sings on YouTube. And this may be old news to some of y'all, but it's not, okay? It's not old news to this young chap named Shy. Messages from various Instagram group chats showed Colleen's predatory speech and texts to those she knew were minors. Like, this woman who is so much older than these like teenagers, maybe even they're in elementary school because obviously Miranda Sings is geared toward a younger audience. She's in Instagram group chats with these kids saying and doing and making suggestive explicit comments. She knowingly sent underwear to a minor because he was in the group chat and said, I think his age. I forgot to mention the fact that she sent him her underwear and she claimed that he was pestering her about it. Like, what? Another really horrendous thing, and I'll conclude with this on this little Colleen Ballinger situation. She even had segments during her in-person comedy shows where she would find young girls in the audience, okay, who were dressed what you think like a quote, 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 slut, okay? Here we go with the slut shaming rhetoric. So she would find a young girl in the audience, she would call her up, hyper-focus on the girl's clothing, and make them do embarrassing and inappropriate and ultimately suggestive behaviors in front of everybody. This is literally social humiliation put on blast. I don't know, A, why she was allowed to continue to perform like these comedy shows. That's not funny. That's literally traumatizing. And also very weird. <laughs> Hey, she was in the studio like, hey y'all, here's this idea. Like you literally, you need, you need a lobotomy, okay? We've gone over modern day issues with sexual exploitation of children. Has this happened in the past? And if you did ask that question, I would say yes, it did. Let me tell you. The most obvious examples of like where sexual violence and um, exploitation against children would, would occur is especially when the children were enslaved and were forced into doing a magnitude of physical favors. Whether that be sexual in nature or whether that be like you're going to go work for hours on end, okay? And so 
as I was saying, I feel like I had a friend who I was talking with the other day who was telling me about the Romans, or maybe it was the Greeks. I'm pretty sure it was the Romans, though. And how they would sexually abuse little boys. Like, why? Why? And so, when I was thinking about history, I was not, a, or a particular scripture came to mind. Um, and this scripture is one that is used when people want to condemn homosexuality. Leviticus 18, in verse 22, it states, quote, Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable, end quote. I'm pretty sure it was this quote that, while I've already stated its primary use, I found that the original scripture in Hebrew referred to a man not laying with a boy, like a little boy, which is a good practice to have, but it was a practice that had to be explicitly said, even in the past, if you're going based off of the Bible and its timeline, even in the past, these things, these problems occurred. So obviously when you think about like cyclical behavior and humans like not really, I mean, we're supposed to be so evolved, but are we really evolved and we're literally still doing this stuff, literally still committing the most heinous crimes that you probably can, um, that was going on many Elons ago, maybe not Elons, okay, but a, a, a while back. I haven't even like covered every single person that does this, like every single caricature or, or groups of people who do this. The last group, and honestly, the group that spurred me to want to even talk about this in the first place, was that of politicians and the economic elite. I wanted to dive into that, but it deserves its own thought. I don't really want to talk about this, but I think it's necessary to talk about. Um, even though it disgusts me, um, even though I don't really want to think about this, sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. Some people like to say what you think becomes who you are. I think that what you do becomes who you are. And if your actions show time and time again that your principles and your ideals that you preach vocally no longer match what your behavior is and what you're doing there, when there's a disconnect, what do you become? What do you become? And maybe it's too grand of a philosophical thing to think about, Especially besides, like, the surface level um, investigation of, like, what do you become? Well, you just become a hypocrite. Yeah, but those terms are so lackluster when we talk about saying and doing things in, that are in opposition to each other at a much higher, much higher stake position. This exact situation where you think one thing, you do another, leads to cognitive dissonance. And that's an entirely, that's, an, that's a psychological principle that people study. And I would love to see, honestly, what the physical manifestations of these behaviors, how they how they add up in the brain. Are the brain structures of those who are pedophiles, are they different from someone else? At what point does that biological change happen? Is there any way we can interject with that chain? This discomforting feeling, because that's, that's what psychologists have described. Um, they claim that it either leads to your thoughts changing or your actions. It's much easier. I, I saw I saw this like meme. It was like, um, I'd much rather steal a bike and ask God for forgive. I, I would much rather ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. The, the logic behind this is very clear. After you complete a behavior, it's easier to remedy your thoughts behind it because you're in control of your thoughts. That's flexible because essentially with the brain and thoughts, many thoughts, the thoughts are like radio signals and we choose to tune in to one or the other. And so it's much easier to tune into a different tune 
that goes against what you believe because you've done something that you wholeheartedly wouldn't have done under your guiding principle by people just coping with their behaviors um, and changing their thoughts instead of truly changing what the problem is, which is their actions. And so it's depressing to think about, but it's worth reminding yourself why you should do things that you think a good person would do. I don't, I think that we can all come to the agreement that a good person wouldn't sexually exploit a child. I don't even think that there was like a rational, like, like, you know, there are some people who are like, well, what if, what if it was like your life on the line? Would you do that then? It's like, at that point, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Like, there's really no scenario that you could put yourself in where you can justify that. Like, there's literally none. Like, you don't even think. There's none. Okay, there is none. It's eye-opening, to say the least. I think delving into the cruelty of some of human nature, I think, okay, maybe in part it's human nature, right? We have different ways our brains think, and um, sometimes we can be extra encouraged to become a certain way due to our environment. Those are my thoughts. I feel like it's a crime to say my outro. Like, I feel like it's a crime to say stay awesome when literally, like, this is, like, sad. I said it, and I'm gonna be done with this episode now.